Hey there, this is Trisha Ruiz, author of When Wishes Change. And if you really want to learn how to level up your life, you should be listening to the Time to Shine Today podcast with my good friend, Scott Ferguson. Let's level up. Time to Shine Today podcast, Varsity Squad, it's Scott Ferguson, and we're at episode 276. And I get moved by every uh, interview that I do, because everybody has a special story, special technique, special protocol to really help you level up. But this story... Um, it brought a tear to my eye for reals, for reals, and it will to yours too. Uh, my good friend Trisha Ruse, uh, author of When Wishes Change, and she went through something that I wish on absolutely nobody with the death of a child. Um, and that I'm not even going to share. I'm going to let her, you share her share it with you because it's just it's an amazing story. I left the interview leveled up and I literally had a coaching session afterwards and I felt so great because of the journey that Trisha shared with me um, and I was able to really have my best session with with one of my clients. So uh, without further ado, here's the author of Wishes Change and my really good friend Trisha Ruse. Let's level up. Time to shine today, podcast varsity squad. This is Scott Ferguson. I have my really good friend Trisha Ruz here. Um, hell of a story, squad. Just you're gonna be touched in the heart and any other part of your body um, when you hear the story from my friend Trisha. How she's take adversity and leveling up, and she's spreading the word on stages, YouTube videos, and whatnot. Everything will be in the show notes. So go to that after you listen to this awesome interview. We also will have a book giveaway at the end of the interview as well. But Trisha is a Dallas wife and mother who built a winning career in sports and high school admissions, but found her greatest victory in loss. Against the advice of medical experts, Trisha carried full-term a child she was warned would die at birth or before. That season, Trisha's team won every game the child grew, the child in her grew, and eventually she held and loved the daughter who wasn't supposed to live. In six brief days, in six days of brief and remarkable life, Annabelle Ruse rewrote the medical chapter on, I'm going to butcher this word, chromosal, chromosal condition called Trisomy 18, giving life to a story that galvanized a large high school, a big city, readers of When Wishes Change, and audiences nas- nationally. The, that's her book, and When Wishes Change. And, and Squad, I want to introduce yourself, introduce you to Trisha, and if you could, Trisha, come on, introduce yourself to the Time to Shine Today podcast, Varsity Squad. But first, what's your favorite color and why? Oh, I love teal. I just teal. think it's calming and soothing, but it's also bright. So yes. I kind of have, it has two parts. It's nice. And I'm not trying to rub it in because I know it's snowing there in Texas, but the ocean right now is a <laughs> nice little view of teal. <laughs> so Trisha, yeah. you've went through a ton. Um, just a ton. My mother went through the same thing in a sense, uh, where my older sister was born, uh, prematurely, which made her not made her, but got there to adopt me. And what's crazy is that Annette would have been born, was born on October 21st of 1971, but she was due February 21st of 72. And that's my birthday. So she ended up adopting me. So I guess I was my mom's, you know, blessing as well. But can we get in a little bit of the story? Um, and Squad, you're going to hear just a fantastic story. I've watched on YouTube. You need to go there as well. But first, listen to it here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, much like most of us, like right out of college, um, I wanted to start my career. Mm-hmm. And I always had a passion for coaching. I love 
coaching or the idea of coaching. And so I landed my dream job when I was 22. I became the director of admissions at the largest um, co-ed Catholic school in Texas. And, and then within a year moved up and was the head varsity volleyball coach. Um, so my first season was rough. It was a lot of learning. And then by the second season, I won my first state championship. And, um, from there, you know, Texas volleyball is really big. And so from there, we never looked back. We were always finishing in the finals or, um, winning and I was building my career and, um, my husband and I, we knew we wanted to have children, but it was so hard with our careers to, you know, figure out when that fit in. And so we had our first child, um, healthy, easy pregnancy in 2011, um, right before um, another state championship in 2012. And so then we won state in 2012 and 2013. And in 2014, I was right at that edge where things were going so well with my job, but I really wanted another child. Mm. Um, So I was pregnant and, you know, assumed like my first pregnancy would go really easily. But um, around 12 weeks along, we did a blood test to find out gender. And we did find out that we were having a girl. My son specifically requested a lady baby is what he called it. (laughs) Um, So he was thrilled about that. However, um, she tested positive in the blood test for trisomy 18. And most of us all know Down syndrome, and that's trisomy 21. Okay. So trisomy 18 is more severe than Down syndrome, usually accompanied by a lot of heart defects and issues with the brain. And so from a lot of the testing, they let us know that she only had a two chamber heart, um, which, you know, from freshman biology, you're supposed to have four, not two. Right. And so uh, it was actually recommended to us to have an abortion. And I just felt in that moment, like besides my faith, you know, as a coach, you train people to fight till the end, right? And no matter the opponent you're playing, you give it your all and if you lose, you lose, but at least if you try your hardest, you gave it everything you had. And I felt like that was my time for my athletes and to just be an example for giving it everything I had. And so we decided to continue the pregnancy despite the recommendations and the odds stacked against her. We were fully prepared to probably go into labor early and have a stillbirth. That was what was expected. Um, we were given about a five or 10% chance of even making it full term. And then I was told if she was born alive, she would only live moments. Okay. So my, my volleyball team rallied together to just support us. I got this bad news in July um, 15th, 2014, and the volleyball season started August 1st. Um, and we went on to win that three-peat state championship the whole season they dedicated to my daughter, Annabelle, and just her life and for our fight. And then a month and a half later, she was miraculously born alive. And instead of living moments, um, she lived days. And so that little girl, every doctor, every nurse was just in tears and in shock of what they were seeing before their eyes, because no one could believe it, how this little girl was living without oxygen tank or in any kind of incubator. And she was completely fine. And she did have um, apnea episodes where she would stop breathing. And we knew her life would be short. There was no doubt that she couldn't live a normal life like us. Um, But it also proved that her life was valuable and had purpose. 
and she did die in my arms at six days old. But, you know, since then, it's been seven years and I've just reflected on that opportunity that I got to be her mom and to fight for her. And that's the idea of where my book came from called When Wishes Change, because all of us have these dreams and wishes that we've hoped for our whole lives. But what do you do when it doesn't come true exactly how you planned it? How do you move on and pivot? And how do you see tragedy as opportunity? And so that's really the message that I want to spread. And we did have our rainbow baby, Andy, who's a vibrant five-year-old girl who is living her best life. And uh, we're still, you know, sad and mourning that loss. But at the same time, I feel like we looked at it as a great opportunity and we got to celebrate her life, although it was really short. You know, there is uh, an attachment that a mother, again, I'm not a lady, obviously, but there's an attachment that you have to your offspring. Okay. And you going through this and you found out kind of early, correct? That she was uh, with the, the, the trisomy, trisomy 18. Um, so you found, yeah. Trisomy, sorry. So what kind of emotions were really wreaking havoc on you? Maybe not so much that you're showing to your team, but maybe that your hubby saw more of. I mean, what kind of uh, like just emotions that we're going through? If you don't mind answering that, yeah. might be digging up no, some bones. You know what? I made a really subconscious, like a choice to be vulnerable and to not put on a front to certain people and be different around others. Now, I will say there was much more tears and crying at home and in the car sure. than there were on the volleyball court. I mean, of course, to some extent, I was trying to be strong. But one thing that came to me really early is that, you know, so many people are going through hard times, but they don't tell you, they don't show it. Mm. And that is more painful, I think, than just being vulnerable and allowing the real you to come out. And okay. so on days where I was just really angry or really sad, I would tell people I'm having a bad day. Like I'm just really in a bad place right now. And I wasn't looking for sympathy. I wasn't looking for anyone to treat me differently. I was wanting to be honest and I was wanting to be vulnerable. And my book is really open and vulnerable. There are so many times when I was writing that I was like, I better erase the last two paragraphs because that's a lot to admit to an audience that I was angry at God and how mad I was or, you know, how I saw myself as a failure sometimes. But then I thought about it and I was like, this is for everybody that really has these feelings because we all do Mm. of doubt and hopelessness. Sure. But the message is you just keep fighting in front of, up the next morning come with the best have. Mm-hmm. And then when you get down and when you emotionally can't handle it anymore, you just fight your way back the next day. And, wow. and that's and so exactly think, what you're coaching. Yeah, no, exactly. You know? I think that as a coach my whole life, a lot of those principles from teaching kids came, I was like speaking to myself. I was like, all right, Trisha, like, Right. Listen to what you tell others and apply it right. to yourself, because that is what will get you through this. You know, is it, what I'm seeing a lot in is what I coach my clients as well as kind of neutral thinking in a sense um, where, you know, p- 
people will say, you know, you can't have positive thinking a hundred percent of the time. Right. I mean, you just can't, it's impossible. You're, you've been in sports. I played sports at high levels. Um, so you know that your things are going to happen that are not positive thinking. So you can't have positive thinking hundred percent of the time, but what does work hundred percent of the time is negative thinking. So I saw a lot of you staying neutral during a lot of the situations yet being vulnerable. Is that a right way to say it? Maybe in a little bit, you're neutral a lot of time. Yeah. Um, or I would allow myself to have the sad emotions or the disappointment. I mean, it's like in a game when you call a timeout, mm-hmm. clearly you're doing that for a reason because the team isn't necessarily thinking positive. You're bringing it back thinking, to neutral, right? I yeah, love it. you're okay. like bringing everybody back. You're letting everybody wallow in it for a half a second yeah. and take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And then you're allowing yourself a little bit of time for that before you say, it's time to jump back out there and, and get with it. Love it. And I think that by allowing yourself to have those moments mm-hmm. of grief, of sadness, of, you know, disappointment or whatever your brain is telling you and just sitting in that for a minute and working through it. But you have to coach yourself back out. Or, you know, if you can't coach yourself back out, I really strongly believe in having a really tight community, like that friend that you can be completely honest with. Or for me, it was like these Facebook communities of other trisomy 18 moms. Yes. And a couple people that I found that I was able to text or call if I was having a bad day, because I knew that they could directly relate to my situation. Love it. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. That's that you had that kind of lack of a better term support system to bounce things off of. Um, So this, the, what Annabelle like went through, you said that she kind of made some changes in thoughts along the way, maybe medical research, maybe leveled up from her being able to live six gracious days? Yeah. Okay. So um, I appreciated this about the hospital and some of the staff afterwards was that um, they admitted that they failed in some ways. And to, so to put this in perspective, this was 2014 and I met with the entire NICU staff, you know, every doctor and everybody prior to the birth. And I remember them just looking really sad and like, oh, we're so sorry about this. Mm. And I asked the question, have any of you delivered a live trisomy 18 birth? Like, in other words, not a stillbirth or like delivering a child that was right. not dead. And no one in the room had. And these are doctors with really high levels of experience and years under their belt. And I remember asking, am I in the right place? Should I be at a different hospital? And they're like, nobody like specializes in this. And so um, it meant that if she was born alive, this would be something brand new to a whole lot of people. Um, So along the way, I think that there is a little bit of a scarlet letter on her where, oh, she has trisomy 18. We shouldn't try a feeding tube. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. And I think that was a lot of just, you know, the red tape in the medical world. They don't want to be accountable or be responsible for the death. Um, of anyone. And since Annabelle was born, uh, there have been, I don't know how many, but numerous trisomy 18 births in the Mm -hmm. hospital. And their approach has changed to where they are more willing to not, it's not life-saving care. It's more called comfort care. Okay. You know, they refuse to put a feeding tube in her to give her milk. 
because she couldn't swallow. And I just couldn't understand how you would starve a child. Like I get that she's not going to live very long, but I'm just asking that you do what it takes to keep her comfortable. Yes. And when we got home, we actually had these nurses that, that came as friends and inserted a feeding tube in her stomach on my bed in my room and did it just fine. And we were able to give her milk, but it wasn't something they were willing to do in the hospital. And so I think that mindset has changed. Um, there was a doctor that I met with that was just in tears that said, we were taught in medical school that these babies cannot survive and cannot live. And Annabelle proved us otherwise. And I want to be clear, like there are alive trisomy 18 um, men and women, children in the world. But oh. not, but with her heart condition, right? Like having the two valves instead of heart, four, right? That made it a little bit more difficult. So the so, trisomy 18, the ones that have actually survived, are they kind of have a down syndrome, like uh, aspect to them? Again, yeah, I'm not it's trying developmental to... delays and yeah. usually they have a feeding tube, but there's been so much progress in that world where there are more advocates for mothers to keep the pregnancy and to, um, you know, allow the baby to be born or try, you know, to go full term, because there are a lot of babies that can survive if they have, you know, the four chambers in their heart or, you know, other things that aren't sure. as severe as Annabelle. And if you've ever known a child with disabilities, you know, that they're just like such a happy blessing in the world. Like Dude, yeah, their outlook and their love for others. And they're usually like very affectionate, right? And, um, you know, I will say like one thing that struck out to me about the doctor who told us the abortion was, um, this might be too hard for your three-year-old and like, don't put him through this. I was going to ask that as one of my questions with your son, you know, how was his, um, I guess lack of better term reaction mm -hmm. to you not really bring in a, did you kind of prepare him for it in a sense or, like not having that baby lady, was that what he called it? Yeah, called lady baby. Lady baby, yeah. So how was his? Yeah, you know what? So the Bible talks a lot about having the faith of a child. Mm, and I never yeah. understood that until I watched it through the eyes of my son. And um, if you actually go to the homepage of my website, the very first picture you'll see is him holding Annabelle. The day before um, she died and that the love funny. that he had for her in the womb and outside of the womb. And he just, we pray about her every day. We still talk about her. If anyone on the street says, Hey, do you have any siblings? He would always tell you two sisters, one in heaven and one on earth. Wow. And I believe that his plan and purpose for his life will be impacted so positively from this. You know, he may become the doctor that cures it or has, you know, some kind of hand in children with special needs. He has, mm -hmm. you know, that affinity to science already. And he asks a lot of questions when he oh. sees a child with disabilities. He's like, is that what Annabelle would look like? And he smiles. And so I think that all of us think that we have to shelter our kids from yeah the world, which granted, of course, there's a lot of things that we don't want them to hear and see. Right. But life, there's a lot of loss and there is a lot of grieving, whether it's losing their grandparent or a parent or a sibling or a friend. 
we've got to let them experience some of that and help them through that. Because, you know, I work with teenagers for 20 years. And if you shelter your teenager from heartbreak and heartache, I have seen the worst anxiety, depression, and stress from teenagers when they're dealing with it for the first time because they don't know how. Or when they're in their 20s. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. And, and the look at Annabelle's face too, where she's smiling at him, yes. you know, look, that's just beautiful. I'm not, I'm tearing up squad. It is, it's, it's amazing. The love that in, in the perseverance we're seeing here. And so like, I, I'm, I have a affinity because I'm adopted as well, adopted a little older, um, you know, so I work with like cap with just children awaiting parents. So um, like that's something I actually get down and dirty with where sometimes I stroke a check at something, but this is one. So I see a lot of the patients that have that and to hear your story, you know, that there's hope and know that they are just like living that lifestyle of like, just happy, you know, they don't, they, I get it. I love that you said that. So what do you think then people misunderstand the most about you? Um, well, I think that, so one thing that's really interesting about grief that I've found is that initially after Annabelle was born and died, I would have had maternity leave. I would have had a bereavement and I went back to work, I think two weeks after the funeral, like limping around, still recovering from a C-section because I need to get back into my work and the grief didn't hit me or I didn't process it well until like five years after. And so it was really interesting that I was going through a lot of grief processing after she died, way after she died. And then I started writing and then memories that were so locked up in the back of my brain that I had hidden and didn't want to approach at all came like back, like in the middle of the night, I would just wake up and I would have to write because this memory that I just didn't remember before that came back to me. Right. And so, um, I've been really passionate about speaking about that and letting people understand that, like, I could see someone seeing me and be like, well, I knew you two years after Annabelle died and like, you didn't say anything about it. And now you're talking about it all the time. And I think there's just something about time with grief and processing Mm. that personally for me has taken several years to understand. Mm. And, um, and I don't think we should or can judge anyone that is experiencing anxiety. I mean, I had to get on anxiety medication and my husband went through a bit of an, an, an episode that was really severe where he was literally in tears every minute of the day and didn't sleep and had like a psychotic episode five years after her death and had to get on some really strong depression medication. Like that seems so weird to a lot of people. Like why, what's wrong with you? Shouldn't you be over it by now? But that's not how grief works. And, um, And now I feel like I can talk about Annabelle and our experience without shedding those tears. Like Mm -hmm. I used to, but it took a lot of time and perspective to get there. 
understood. And there's the, the process I doing it. I'm it's 12 years ago that my little brother killed himself and I still it processes it. Like when I was going through it, I was so stoic and whatnot. I, I let my emotion show, but then it was probably as Oh nine and probably like 2013. It just unleashed on me. It was yeah. the craziest situation. And, you know, I'm a veteran and, you know, I had already suffered from some PTSD. So luckily I had the support, like you said, surround yourself with a tribe um, yeah. that has that. So then what keeps you up at night now? Well, if um, I think that I, I still have some anxiety and I worry, mm-hmm. but that is an innate thing that I think has always been in me. And that's kind of that thing that I am like called to fight back on. And so I think a lot of us have like our demons that haunt us or the things that bother us. Mm. And for me, it's like anxiety and worry. But I will say like, whatever it is that you struggle with, it is a constant like pursual of finding that hope and finding your purpose and your passion. Um, Like I'm coaching volleyball. I'm the director of a club where like I coach the coaches. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. I have all this experience. Now I get to impart that on, you know, 20 something year old coaches that are new. Right. Right. But because of COVID, I've been called to the front line several times where they're like, hey, we need you to coach this weekend. Oh, really? And, uh, <laughs> so last weekend I was coaching like three weekends. It's all COVID related, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I remember like now that I'm in charge of people, humans, you know, making the decisions from the bench. I like didn't sleep for a couple nights in a row because I right. felt so like, like I have to take care of these girls and learn their names and learn their tendencies and their strengths and their weaknesses and watch film. So I can be the best coach that I can be for them. Sure. And so that's kind of always been like my anxiety or I guess you could call it some perfectionism. Like I, yeah. over, you know, do it a little bit, Right. but I know that about myself and I, I see the patterns when I need to back down or calm down Good. a little bit because it's not healthy to be like that all the time. Right. The state of alertness actually ages your body, dumps the cortisol in there and, yeah. and ages you. So how do you want your dash? Remember then that little line between your incarnation date and your expiration date, your life date, and your death date. How do you want Trisha's dash? Remember? I want to be known as a person that was relational and had an impact on others. And that's why I think I love coaching so much because I really believe it has a true like one-on-one connection with another human being. Um, And I still keep in touch with, I don't, I don't even know how many athletes that I've coached over 20 years. They're married, they're having kids, they're experiencing life. And I also want to be seen as like an example of someone who walked the walk, you know, I didn't just tell people what to do and how to do it. Um, I also worked hard myself and fought for everything I had and never gave up. Love it. And and you have it. And like, I think one thing that helped you through this a lot with Annabelle is your relationship with com- competition and sports, you know, and again, you have the, the fighting spirit and not to make it any easier, but it made you a little bit more prepared yeah. for that situation. So we have, uh, this is a, a different kind of interview than I usually do. So I'm super excited about this, but we have a, 
a lightning round where I ask nine or 10 questions. Would you be interested in firing through a lightning round? I love it. I'm always ready. Time to shine today. Podcast varsity squad. This is Scott Ferguson. And I don't know you about you, but I'm a pretty stoic person. And uh, I literally had a tear coming down my eye just from the story. And it's not because, it's just because it resonated and this is real life and somebody that's really persevered. And, you know, we have a leveling up lightning round, which is fun. Um, and Trisha's agreed to do it with us. So Trisha, you and I could talk probably 15 to maybe even an hour on each one of these questions, but you got five seconds to answer them with no explanations. You ready to rock? Okay. I'm, okay. I got it. All right, here we go. What is the best leveling up advice Trisha's ever received? Uh, fight through every obstacle. Yes. Share one of your personal habits that contributes to success. Journaling. Love it. Me too. Yes. Other than your website, uh, which is trisharoos.com, also winwisheschange.com, and of course, time to shine today.com, my shameless plug. What website does Trisha like to go to to level up? Ooh, um, I'm a big fan of John Gordon, so I okay. like a lot of his books. And Very good. Very good. So other than when wishes change and you see me walking down the street, I'm in my doldrums. Fergie's not feeling that he's not looking good. Other than when wishes change, what book would you hand me? Ooh, um, well, <laughs> I just read the subtle art of not giving a F. Yes. Love and it. So maybe you just need to like chill a little bit and read that Love book. It. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your most commonly used emoji when you text. Um, I kind of do the, like, uh, I don't know, like with the hands up, I don't know what that's called. <laughs> yeah. They said this, what we'll call it nicknames growing up. Uh, Trish, Trisha Ruse, like, or not Ruse. I was called Trisha Heflick, but it was like, Hef was my nickname. Ah, no T-Dog. I'm kidding. Was, no, <laughs> I was, I was T-Dog also. That's okay. Also. Chess yeah. or checkers? Oh, chess. Okay. Very favorite charity and or organization you like to give your time or money to? Oh, I love my trisomy 18 organization. I love the Leukemia Society because I did some, I did a triathlon with them and they do really great stuff. Good. Awesome. Last question. You can elaborate on this one, my friend, but what is the best decade of music? 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s? 100% the 90s. There's nothing to compare. Okay. I love it. I I, I graduated in 1990 right? Okay. So high school. So it's like, I have the, like the eighties, the big hair don't care. But also when I was in the Navy and going overseas and getting ramped up, it was like the nineties, like Nirvana yeah. kind of rolled in the garage bands. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about this book when wishes mm-hmm. change. I know that you said you could wake up in the night and kind of throw up all over a piece of paper writing, you know, that's when the things come to you in your relaxed state. But Let's get into a little bit about this book, and we'll also talk about this giveaway as well. So it is a memoir, I guess, because it does talk about my journey and experiencing this pregnancy, but then also coaching teenage girls to a state championship. Um, One thing that I want to add is that it was made into a documentary, and the entire thing was on film from literally, I think, August 1st all the way till after she was born. And so every thing you'll read is very true because I was able to watch back the thousands of hours of footage. Mm. Um, But I needed this to be a lot more than my story. And I started writing in 2019 pre-pandemic. And then I was writing all through the pandemic. 
And the book title kind of came to me in a discussion with my author. I mean, my editor who just stopped me and said, you just used a phrase that I think you need to title the book. And I said, well, what did I say? And she said, you said the phrase when wishes change. And I just, I've been using that so much now. And I think all of us, it's okay. And you should have dreams and wishes and goals. Sure. But like, not all of those things are going to come to fruition exactly how you plan. And life is more about how you react to that change and how you allow your wishes to evolve instead of being stubborn and being upset because something didn't go your way. And then you're so paralyzed by it, you can't move on. And so of course for us, we wish for a healthy baby, a healthy pregnancy. That would have been so easy and so great, but that wasn't my story. And so when we found out about the trisomy 18, I just said, you know what? I just wish I can get to the end of the pregnancy. And then it was, I wish I could meet her alive. And then when she was alive, I was like, I hope I can make it. And I wish till the end of this day or the next day. And we lived moment for moment. And so I think that as obstacles have come my way since then, I have to look at it and it's okay to be mad, upset, you know, change is hard. Right. And be like, okay, well then what's my new wish? How am I going to tackle the new wish? Because the old wish didn't come true and it's time to move on. Oh my gosh. And that is, God prepared you for this with sports and with competition. I've said that before. He's really prepared. Yeah. You can't promote, prepare the emotional side, but what you just did is just kind of broke down how a team would kind of adapt and overcome situations where you want this and then you want this. And you kept on climbing the mountain, even though you knew that the peak wouldn't be all sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, and smooth jazz. You know what I'm saying? It's like you did that. I'm so like, I have no right to say this. I'm proud of you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, I, I have so many engagements that I can think of right now where your story would resonate with persistence while knowing that tragedy is imminent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, you're amazing. I love your guts, man. You're, you are amazing. 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 So, well, so I want to add, I found out this news on July 14th, 2014, 14. Okay. And, uh, the Jesus calling excerpt from that, that day is about climbing your mountain and how hard this trial and this mountain is and how painful it will be. Right. But when you get to the top, it's going to be glorious and amazing. And I remember reading that and I'm like, this is BS. Like, I, I can't I'm not imagine. laughing at you, but I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I can't imagine anything good coming out of this situation. It's not possible. And now I read that and my heart is like, that is so powerful that when you climb a mountain and it's so hard and you're out of breath and you want to quit and give up, how amazing it is to sit up at the top and be like, I did that. And right. now I can see over the valley and what's on the horizon. And so it's just- and not only that, T-Dog, you can see the next peak. Yeah. Like you didn't stop climbing. What I heard was, I just want to get to term that I want to meet her breathing. That's a different peak. And that's yeah. what A-listers, you know, uh, my, that's what I call my, my squad of the people that I coach, you know, the varsity squad is that they like winners, A-listers, they, once they get to a peak, they set another one. And you did that under so much turmoil, man, that, that's, I, I, I'm just blown away. And 
Squad, we're going to have a giveaway. I'm going to give away two books. Uh, my friend Trisha is going to sign them. Um, and also, I can't wait to read it as well. And I kind of want my lady Susan to read it as well. We met later in life, but she lost her first daughter and she had four healthy kids after it. I think she's going to really enjoy this as well. Um, and, and there's so many lessons to be learned. Anyone that puts in any of our social, um, whether it's Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, anyone that puts wishes, just put wishes in there. The first two will get a free book signed by Trisha. Um, and, and, and I will personally mail it to you as well. And Trisha, if you could just do me one last favor, could you please leave our squad with one last knowledge nugget you want us to take with us, internalize and take action? Sure. I think I would just say, always allow your wishes to change. I mean, think about whatever it is you're going through in your circumstance. And especially if it's something difficult right now, like how are you going to allow your wishes to change so that you can find your next opportunity? And, and I promise when you do that, there's so much more in store for you than your original wish ever was. Wow. And and squad, my, my friend here, Trisha T-Dog Ruse, legitly earned her varsity letter here with time to shine today. Of course I use sports metaphors all over the place. But, you know, she she comes as, from a background as a coach squad where they're trained to fight to the end, never give up attitude, call timeouts when needed, go to neutral. And she lived that lifestyle in a human sense, knowing that Annabelle was probably not going to live the life that we all feel that she would have deserved. You know, she, you know, Trisha talked about pivoting. And then seeing the message and opportunity in the tragedy. And she was doing that with each peak that she was going through with regards to different stages of her pregnancy with Annabelle. But she also surrounded herself with the tribe that would help her not only pre-birth, but post-birth as well and surround herself with the right people. She touched people's hearts with basically non-believers that weren't thinking that she would even make it to term and she would be born stillbirth yet she made it. Now she's like this epitome of opening up research for the trisomy 18. And, you know, she is going to be remembered as someone that had a relational impact on others. She walked her talk. She slid across home plate metaphorically bumped and bruised, but in a better place, you know, and she reminds us that life is how you act to change or respond to change and just let your wishes evolve and just keep leveling up and thinking and putting out there what you'd like. And again, Trisha's earned varsity letter here at Time to Shine today. She levels up her health. She levels up her wealth. She's a fantastic mother, fantastic coach. She's a fantastic human being. I love her guts. And I can't wait to collaborate her and get her on stages soon with me. So thank you so much, for Trisha, for coming on. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'll talk soon, okay? Yep. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Time to Shine Today podcast probably brought to you by Sutter and Nugent Real Estate, Real Estate Excellence, who can be reached at 561-249-7266 and online at www.sutterandnugent.com. If you're a business owner or professional who would like to be interviewed on Time to Shine Today, please visit timetoshinetoday.com slash guest. If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to our website. Also there, you will see our recommended resources. We hope that you will support our show by supporting them. 
If you like what you've been listening to, it'd be great if you could just give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe while you're at it. I'm your host, Scott Ferguson, and until next time, let's level up. It's our time to shine.